Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Soccer New Brock in America featuring me, person new. Yeah. Ooh, getting a little musical on us, the real star of the show. What are we going to do this week? What do we always talk about? Uh, stuff. Random stuff. No, it's not random stuff. It is the best, most intriguing uh, soccer slash football matches from all over the entire world. Big leagues, small leagues, big countries, little countries, national team tournaments, all the stuff that we do every week. It's glorious and full of wonder. Sure. (laughs) But before we get into all that, and by the way, I should make note that this show, we are going to be talking about matches that uh, stretch from uh, Friday, July 29 through Thursday, August 4. Our week always goes Friday to Thursday. But before we get started, thought we'd do a little pre-show chat with Person Noob because you are the one that all, everybody on Twitter tells me, you know, they like the soccer content. It's fine. But they're really here to hear about you. And you were, you've been gone for uh, a week, two weeks? No, one week. A bunch of weeks. <laughs> where where have you, where did you go? You went on a long trip. You and saw the people? I went to his parents' house. That's right. You went and saw grandpa and grandma. And how long were you there? Uh, one week. Wow. What kind of stuff did you do? A bunch of stuff. Like? Um, well, we went to the water park. We hang, we hung out. And I had this awesome sandwich that you guys should try. It's a peanut butter and jelly burrito. Yeah, I'm, I like burrito ingredients in my burritos. I'm not a big fan of uh, anything else. Now, uh, you went to, if I remember correctly from Grandpa, the, the Natural History Museum. About 30 miles from... Yeah, so what all kinds of stuff did you see there? Um, We saw a bunch of stuff for sale and a bunch of rocks, and it was really cool, but we didn't buy any. I was sad. And, th- and then we saw a bunch of old history stuff and a bunch of um animals, and it was really cool. We heard some birds chirping, and they had realistic wallpaper in the back, and it looked like it was real. And I'm like, I know that's wallpaper, but is it really wallpaper? <laughs> you were starting to philosophically question the existence or the nature of the wallpaper. Yes. Yeah, ontology. It's a bear. I know. And we saw a sloth, and you went... Um, it wasn't a real sloth, but it, but it was the size of like a sloth. It went extinct. It 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 was probably like I don't know, like more than seven feet tall. Holy cow! I'm glad. What was it? Do they do they think it was slow like a sloth today is? Well, that's good because I wouldn't a fast a fast seven foot sloth. sloth fast mm-hmm. seven foot sloths would probably be ruling the yeah. earth if they yeah. were fast. Yeah. They would they would have overtaken overtaken people and. The planet would be theirs. 
and I saw a fox, and it was pretty cute. And I saw a nest and a bunch of deers. And I saw a little tiny, itty bitty little mouse. He was so tiny. <laughs> I loved it. So it was like going to the zoo, but cooler. It was going to the zoo, but it wasn't things that could bite you. There was only one noise. It was the bird, and it wasn't even in the bird exhibit. <laughs> Gosh, so it was like a quiet zoo. A quiet, a quiet and bite free, bite free zoo. And you went, you got to go on a ride on a, hmm. not at the museum with Aunt Trace. Oh yeah, I got to go boat ride. Yeah. And you guys did, did everything go really smoothly? No. No, what happened? So, so the first time me and grandpa went there cause my grandma can't, wouldn't get on the boat. So me and my grandpa went there and then my aunt, my uncle, and my three cousins, and my, no, wait, two two of my cousins, and then one of my cousin's girlfriend, nice, um, we all went, we all got there, and then, and then the boat was working, and then when, when we got there, the boat stopped working, they went back, and then it was working again, so we tried again, okay, and that, and then we came back, and then, and then it was working, so 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 we so we put it on the water, and then when we put it on the water, it was working. We sailed for a while. I got too scared, and I almost died because I got too scared. And then and then I thought and I found it really cool that how like the entire water from this from the sun, like all of the water around you, is is like a mix between like between like dark green and dark blue and light blue and white. But then you see right in front of you, it's wait the water's wavy, but it's like a smooth either light and um light blue and dark blue color palette, and it just fits so smoothly. And I find that cool. That is really cool. The way the white, the light, depending on what the water's doing and how far it is away from you and what angle you're looking at it, how it can look so different, doesn't it? That's really fun. And so did the boat work okay after that forever and ever, or did something else happen? It stopped in the middle of it. Yeah. Didn't you all have to row back or something? Mm -mm. We we did not row back. We sat there, and it kind of drifted us to shore. And then I thought that we were all going to die. And then we found a hole in the boat, but it wasn't really a hole. And then we and then we had to throw one of my cousins out and do it, and he had to swim back with a rope tied to it. And then I was right by the rope. And it kept twisting. And then when we got back, my uncle started started yelling at my cousin. And my cousin started yelling at my uncle. And then that was just weird. But you all survived, it sounds like. I think. And the, <laughs> you think everybody made it back? Did you do a head count? Uh, yeah. Well, I am glad that you had a nice time. Anybody, Anything else you want to tell the folks about what you did up there? Or shall we get into the soccer? We found a three-legged dog, and he was cute. Uh, where is he now? I don't know. Was it at the museum? Nope, it, it was it was by the water. Oh, when you went out boating? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure that dog had a home somewhere nearby, so he should be good to go. He did. We saw his owner. We got a lot of women's football this week to talk about. Did you know it? A lot of championships. Uh. Exciting. Yeah. You watch the football on the TV sometimes with me, don't you? Nope. And you ask, yeah, you do sometimes, and you ask questions. You don't seem to have a preference between the men's and the women's football. If you're in the mood to watch it with me, you just like watching whatever it is, don't you? Yep. All right, P Noob, so shall we dive right in? What's the first match number? One. Match number one. 
Despite the fact that we're probably, in fact, not sponsored by a chicken house, we will nevertheless rush headlong into our podcast full of facts and fun, and we will start with a match from the top flight women's league here in the United States, the NWSL, where they're a little bit over halfway through the season. Quick reminder that the top six teams will all make the playoffs. The top two teams, uh, they will get to get buys straight through to the semifinal, and you can catch this at 8 o'clock Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. Your matchup, number three, Chicago Red Stars, taking on number one and expansion side. Ooh, San Diego Wave. Uh, San Diego currently leads Chicago by two, and they've got Portland in between them. Uh, Almost the whole league, by the way, has a match in hand on San Diego. So as close as things sound, they are, in fact, even closer than that. Personally, I think Portland are probably the best team, but don't let that diminish what this match means, which is a whole lot. And we will talk about the Red Stars first out of Chicago. Last year, they finished in fourth place in the regular season, and they were your playoff runners-up. First match I ever got to see happened to be them losing to the Washington Spirit. First match, noob? (laughs) Yeah, noob. Not just a nickname. It's my life. I've still only been to two, uh, quote-unquote, grown-up soccer matches in my entire life in person. I listen to a lot, and I watch a lot on TV. Uh, this year they are not getting it done on defense and, uh, I'm a big believer in defense, even if it's not the most exciting thing to watch. And I think this is going to hurt them. They are going to slide down the table as the season progresses. They do have a top three offense. That defense is well in the bottom half of the league. They're giving up one and a third goals per match. They're just uh, number four on goal, differ- goal differential in the league. Your number three leading scorer for them, very exciting. Watch, she's got six goals already, is Mallory Pugh, forward, 24 years old. She has over uh, 75 national team appearances, and uh, I had completely forgotten about this, that uh, she is also a burgeoning movie star uh, amongst many other places that you can see her. I really enjoyed seeing her in the uh, Swedish Scorcher horror film Midsommar just a couple of years ago. Incredibly frightening, dark fairy tale version of the fairy queen who wrote these notes that's florence pew not mallory pew what am i anchorman why am i reading I'm ron burgundy i'm reading everything that's in front of me she wasn't in she was not in midsummer it's not accurate mallory pew florence pew gotta get my research people on this all right let's keep it simpler tied for second best in the league in assists ava cook there we go nothing else about ava cook awesome uh team's current form They were on a nine-match unbeaten streak. Remains to be seen, of course, if this is a blip on the radar, but they just suffered a terrible loss in their last match to Houston, going down one to four, just abysmal. Uh, Hoping to make that a losing streak for them is San Diego. Very well balanced. They've got a top four offense and defense, and the defense is a little bit better than that advertises. They do give up less than one goal per match. Good for the second-best overall goal differential. It would really be something, obviously, if they can win the league. I think as an expansion side, it'd be incredible if they even got to finish in second place, which I think they're on track to do right now, uh, quite frankly, and get one of those buys in the playoffs. Number one league score, a big part of the reason they're having so much success, Alex Morgan. I think as an expansion side, it's a little bit easier to get players to go to a wonderful uh, location like that than anywhere else. Uh, Recently, when asked about Her success, Alex Morgan, uh, was quoted as saying that she's just so excited to no longer be the most obnoxious uh, female figure in the sport of American soccer, thanks to Hope Solo making the news once again, getting off on a light sentence for endangering her kids' lives and uh, being a pass-out-in-the-front-seat sort of drunk. 
Yeah, that's all factual, unlike the Midsommar thing. Well, it may not be a quote, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> tied for number, uh, tied for second best in the clean sheets. In clean sheets in the league, goalkeeper Kaylin Sheridan, she's from Canada, uh, 25 national team appearances since 2016. She's here after having spent her first five years uh, with the team that is now known as uh, New York, New Jersey, Gotham City, which were sky blue until just a couple years ago. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. Uh, the noob prediction says that defense travels and that San Diego uh, will be able to manage a draw out of this. I think that the, I think that the table is just going to be oh so tight all the way through the season. Match number B. Our facts going forward may continue to be somewhat dubious, but make no mistake, one thing we believe in with all our hearts is that number two is bathroom talk. And we pledge to keep using the phrase number B and said, and encourage you to do so as well. Match number B is another Saturday match here stateside. On the men's side of things, Major League Soccer, where the top Seven from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs. The winner of each of the conferences, they will get a bye straight into the quarterfinals. Your matchup, overachieving Montreal, are still number four in the Eastern Conference, and they are taking on number B in the East, NYCFC. Currently in the table, NYC, uh, they trail Philadelphia Union by just one. They lead Montreal by six. Uh, the series between these two, it's been all pigeons, NYCFC. They've got a 9-4-2 and two record accrued against them. And when they played earlier this year in New York, New York City won 4-1. to one. You can see how this one's going to go on ESPN Plus, 7.30 Eastern Time Saturday. Montreal, still sort of unofficially named the Impact. A lot of people still very upset up there from what I've read about the name change. Sort of miss it, but Club de Foot Montreal that's pretty cool. I do also enjoy the fact that they're uh, honoring the Frenchness of their area. Uh, historically, uh, in Major League Soccer, uh, the best they've ever finished in thir- is third place. That was in 2015. The year before that, they got to play the CONCACAF Champions League, and they made the finals before losing. Last year, not so much so. They finished all the way down in 10th place. This year, the offense, very good. They've got uh, second best going in their conference. And the East is a little bit weaker than the West, to be perfectly honest. But still, they're getting over a goal and a half per game. But their defense is absolutely woeful. They are in the bottom three or four in that regard. It all averages out, so they got the fifth best defense. I do think that this team is going to make the playoffs. I'm not sure that they're going to get a host a game, though, by the time all is said and done. Their goal differential is perfectly even. They have uh, given up as good as they have gotten. On the scoring leaderboard for this team with nine goals is uh, Romeo Kyoto from Honduras, their star forward. He spent three years with Houston before coming over here. And back home, he has made 60 national team appearances all within the de- last decade. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that doesn't think that their best overall and most valuable player is Jordi Mihailovic, their 23-year-old attacking midfielder. Seven goals, but three assists to go with those as well. Deadly accurate shooter. Very good tackler to boot. Uh, He was with Chicago for uh, three years before coming over here. And aren't they sorry they let him go? He's even made a a small handful of appearances with the national teams over the last national team over the last three years. Remains to be seen if he will even be able to help Montreal throughout the season. If they lose him, 
then you're starting to look in danger maybe of sliding out of the playoffs. He's had interest from all kinds of teams over in Europe. The most recent name I keep name I keep seeing is Leeds over in the Premier League, but we shall see. Team's current form, they won two straight after a home loss, sort of inexplicably, to a last place in the West, Sporting Kansas City. And now NYCFC, last year they finished in fourth place in the conference and they were your playoff champions. Yes, they are the crown holders. 2019 was the only time they actually won their conference regular season. Uh, They made the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals in 2020. We'll have to see how well they do going forward. Uh, Their stats very much imply that they and Philadelphia are going to be up at the top till the very end. They've got the number one offense in the East, scoring almost two goals per match. Second best defense, only giving up one. And that is good for my favorite metric overall, number one goal differential. I think they're going to overtake the union, but I wouldn't put a lot of money on it necessarily. Uh, Number one league score, still listed on there anyway, he will get passed up, is uh, Valentin Tati Castellanos. MLS fans will know that he just moved on to uh, Girona in La Liga. New York City is part of the... uh, City football group that sort of headlined, uh, it's a whole bunch of clubs just like Red Bull has, Manchester City and then a mess of other ones are all in their portfolio, including this team and Girona. So they had a very easy time moving him over just before the start of the Western European season. Good luck to him there. So who are they going to be able to rely on now for their scoring? Well, the new team leader with six on the air is Brazilian uh, Heber. He is their striker and was with Rijeka over in Croatia for two years just before coming over here in 2019. So this is a guy with some European pedigree, but not in any of the biggest or the best leagues. I'm going to be really curious to see if uh, he handles the lion's share of the uh, what could be missing offense for this team. And then uh, helping out in that regard, top 10 on the assists in the league with nine has been Santiago Rodriguez, Uruguayan attacking midfielder, 22 years old. He's on loan from another one of the City Football Group teams, uh, Montevideo City. I believe he's going to get to at least finish the season here. Time will tell. And uh, he's very young at 22, but he's been playing with some of the uh, youth national teams down there in his home country. Team's current form, they have won four straight. They are unbeaten in six without their star and on the road for the first time. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. And I like uh, overachieving Montreal uh, to actually get a win here and maybe even at home what could be considered a very mild upset. Match number three. We remain on Saturday on the calendar, but we move well south of the Americas, this time to Colombia for the final of the Copa America Femenina. This is the Continental Championships in South America. Uh, Colombia have hosted the entire thing, and they will get to do so for one last match as they have made the final against Brazil. We will talk about Colombia first. They are known, honest to good, it's true, as the Powerpuff Girls, one of their two featured nicknames. Uh, Just an interesting side note, while the Powerpuff Girls uh, animated television show was not uh, marketed to me back in the day. Do they even still make it? I'm not sure. But I recently learned from a podcast after Dan the Inferno Inferno that they're actually planning on making a live action version of this. Uh, And uh, from what little I remember, the girls were pretty young, but I have a hard time putting an age to them. His understanding is that uh, when the movie gets made, that they will have aged the characters 20 years. 
So is this going to be like a Sex and the City? Uh, another unexpected sequel would be Charlie's Angels-ish. I have no idea, but I have a feeling that I'm going to go see it. And I hope it plays very well in uh, Columbia amongst their football fans. In any case, they are the second re- uh, the second best ranked team in CONMEBOL, which surprised me. I would have assumed it was Argentina for some reason. Uh, they're ranked number 28 by FIFA Worldwide. They have uh, made two World Cup, World Cup appearances so far, 2011 and 2015. In the latter of those appearances, they had their best finish, making the round of 16. Uh, 2018, the last Copa... America, they finished in fourth place. That is their best. Or no, it's not their best, but it's how they did in their last appearance. They were runners-up the previous two iterations, 2010 and 2014. The group stage this year, they weren't perfect, but they were really close. 4-0-0, 13-3 on the goal differential. Just the, the slightest of blemishes there. Uh, they ended up winning that group by three points over Paraguay in the four-match group stage. Uh, they beat number three ranked Argentina 1-0 in the semifinal to advance to this one. Uh, their offense comes from all over the place, and I think that's part of the reason they're so good. Uh, Danielle Montoya, one of their midfielders, has a couple. Uh, she plays for uh, one of her home country clubs, Independiente uh, Medellin. Uh, Maya Ramirez, another midfielder that plays for uh, Levante UD down there, not Levante over in uh, Spain. And then they do have a gal that does play over in Spain. They're left back also with two goals. They really like to uh, apparently uh, uh, press very far forward with everyone and try to generate all this offense. Manuela uh, Banega, she plays with Real Sociedad. And then they've got one other gal with a pair of goals, Linda uh, Caicedo. Team's current form, they have won five straight, of course. Uh, before that, they had lost uh, two friendlies, both to the United States as a warm-up for this event. And now the Brazilian side, your favorites, the Canaries. They are ranked number nine in FIFA. And uh, the jump from number nine down to number 28, when there's not necessarily a lot of parity going on in women's football, a lot of countries have started their women's programs in earnest or at all at different times. Uh, Brazil is just about unbeatable down there. Although when the USA plays, then the USA still doesn't have much trouble. They have played 40 times over the years and have only managed four uh, wins and five draws over those uh, 50 matches, actually. Uh, The last two World Cups, they made the round of 16. The best they've ever done was in 2007 when they were runners-up. As far as the Copa America Femenina goes, other than 2006 when Argentina won it, they have won every single iteration of this event, which I believe started back in 1991. They were perfect in the group stage, 4-0-0 with a 17 to nothing goal differential. Uh, they beat Argentina by three in the table. To advance to the final, they beat Paraguay 2-0. They have yet to give up a goal anywhere. Uh, they've got the second best event scorer with five. That is Adriana. She plays for Corinthians forward. And then uh, they also have the number three event scorer, one of the all-time greats in the world. Dabinia, and she has a USA connection for us. The forward plays for uh, North Carolina Courage in the NWSL. She has made over 120 national team appearances and has almost 50 goals in that time. Uh, Brazil, it's just, I don't know who's going to be able to stop them until they get to the World Cup. We do have one other USA connection, by the way, that I want to make mention of. They've got a midfielder, just 22 years old, 
Angelina, and she plays for O.L. Reign in the NWSL, Seattle's franchise. Despite her tender age, she already has 11 national team appearances. And uh, she's not actually from Brazil herself. She has Brazilian parents. She was born in Jersey City. Don't mess with that gal. Team's current form, uh, they too have won five straight after friendlies losses to uh, two very good European teams, Denmark, and then uh, top five team in the world, Sweden. I think it's pretty obvious who I think is going to win this one. A goal prediction or a score prediction rather would be a little bit more fun to do. I like Brazil to give up their first goal of the tournament, but I still think that they are going to win three to one. This is the time of show where we normally have in-house prognosticator Noob Stradamus make an appearance and uh, grace us with a drug-aided or drug-addled vision to try and prognosticate a score that we can gamble on. But real life coming in here, he's voiced by he who is also known as Dan the Interno Inferno, playfully, and he's actually been off in Baltimore the last several days competing in the national, or I'm sorry, they've changed the name, the Scrabble Players Championship in Division 3 out of 4, the biggest one. And we want to take this little time out to congratulate him. Uh, His division was the largest at 78 players strong, and he nearly cracked the top 10 finishing in number 11. You know, really proud of your efforts. Know you've been studying like crazy. Uh, enjoy your continued uh, time away from the show. We look forward to when we're going to have you back. Thanks for always being willing to add to our silliness, Dan. And so instead of that weekly segment, let's check in with Voicer Guy who's been, uh, he's actually been in the other studio working on creating some other uh, world soccer news content that he's going to be like, uh, you know, loading up online for, you know, an RSS feeds and uh, for us. So let's just, uh, let's just turn him on and see what he's up to right now. And in a frightening turn of events in the ongoing saga of the Percy allegations regarding performance enhancing lubricants during a roundhouse investigation, Teams from the International Football Association did find when inspecting Percy's tinderbox that it was in fact full of cremated human remains. When reached for contact... Yeah, I think that's enough of that silliness. That sounded credible for about, oh, two, two and a half seconds, and then I'm not sure what that was. International Feetball Association? Is it like toothbrush versus teeth brush? I'm not sure how that was supposed to be a value add for uh, this show, and I apologize, and I'm not sure what on earth he thinks he's going to do with that sort of stuff. Uh, But good luck, voicer guy, I guess. Match number four. We've had an unusually strange start to this podcast. What do you say we all get on uh, Team Noob's private chat, if you want to imagine such? and let it whisk us away with uh, large bags of peanuts instead of the little tiny ones, uh, mimosas, relaxing music, grab a nap, whatever you want to do on our way to Suva, which is a town in Fiji. You're welcome. Yes, we're going to take a look at the final from the OFC Women's Nations Cup. The OFC is the Oceania Football Confederation, sort of a continental football confederation, and they are having their equivalent of the Euros for the gals and is being hosted in Suva, Fiji. We haven't been covering this event to date because the group stage, well, quite frankly, it was silly, to be perfectly honest. Uh, They had three groups of three, nine teams, And so they all had a single round robin in their groups to eliminate one team 
total. Eight of the nine teams got to move on to the knockout stage. Uh, Here's what else you need to know. This is only sort of a qualifier for the World Cup. The winner does not get to go straight to the World Cup just because it's not a very uh, strong confederation. Instead, the champion will get to go to an intercontinental playoff match. They will play and also ran uh, from one of the other continental confederations for the rights to go to the World Cup next year. Now, it's going to be a really interesting final because Australia, up until they joined the AFC nine years ago, pretty much always won this thing. And when it wasn't them, it's been New Zealand. They've been far and away the best men's and uh, women's country in Oceania. I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to get on with the uh, AFC as well before too long, to be honest. So they are the only two teams that have ever won this event in its history. None of the none of the nine teams that have been playing so far have ever gotten there. They've only gotten as far as the final. And New Zealand didn't play in this event because the World Cup, as I'm sure you know, is being co-hosted by Australia and New Zealand next year. They are already qualified for the World Cup. They didn't have to play. So your final is uh, number one seeded in this event, Papua and New Guinea, taking on number B and hosts, Fiji. As always, we'll talk about the host first, Papua New Guinea. Uh, they are known as the, and I'm hoping I get the pronunciation right, uh, Laka Toys, L-A-K-A-T-O-I-S. It's a Motuan word named after the native Motu people, M-O-T-U. Uh, they, those are sailing vessels, uh, the Laka Toys. Maybe it's Laka Toys if there's a French influence. Anyway, they are ranked number 49 in the world by FIFA. Uh, 2019, they were number 46. That was the highest that they have ever been rated in the world. They've only ever played the USA once. I like to look out for those matches. Uh, USA beat them 5-0. No big surprise there. Uh, it appears the whole team plays for clubs right there in Papua New Guinea. Nobody who's good enough to run off to uh, Europe or the Americas and make a splash, apparently. They are three-time event runners-up. Last time they did that well was 2014. They finished in third place in the last iteration of this event, 2018. I do want to say that they've had a little bit more success than that, though they have won the Pacific Games, which is basically an Olympic-style thing just for a lot of the Pacific Island countries that runs opposite every two years uh, from the Olympics. Last time they won that was 2019. Here in the group stage, they went 2-0-0 with a 5-2 goal differential. In the knockout stage, they had to use penalty kicks to get by number three-seeded Tonga, and then uh, they got a 3-0 easy win over surprising number six Samoa in the semis. Uh, they have the second best event scorers in uh, with four so far in Megan Gunemba and Ramona Padio. Uh, Gunemba, by the way, is the all-time leading scorer for the national team with 23 to her credit. Team's current form, uh, they are undefeated in all the matches that they have played this year across all competitions and friendlies. Fiji, uh, your underdogs, despite being host, they are ranked number 69 in the world. Uh, In 2020, they got as high as 64. Uh, Just like their counterparts today, all of their national team players who who are attached to anybody are attached to Fijian clubs. Uh, More years than not, to be perfectly honest, in recent history, they haven't even entered international play like this. Uh, They did enter the last version of this event in uh, 2018. They finished in second place, best they've ever done. And then in the aforementioned Pacific Games, uh, they did finish as high as third once, 
Uh, well, more than once, but the last time they managed it was 2019. Group stage, they had a win and a draw, had a four and two goal differential. In the knockout stage, they beat number five, Cook Islands, 2-0. And then, very surprising, number eight, Solomon Islands, that had gotten that far to the se- uh, to the semis, 3-1. to one. They have the number four event score on their side. She's gotten three in the back of the net. Sophie uh, Dialoi. Team's current form, uh, they won three straight, five of their last six. And despite the fact that they're hosting this, I don't think it's even going to take penalty kicks. Again, I cite the lack of parity oftentimes in the women's game. Number one is number one. I think PNG will get a 2-0 win over the Fijians. Match number five. No rest yet for the football weary. Sunday's got even more action for us, and it's another trophy match. This time we're headed to England, another women's match. The Euros have reached their final there. They're going to be played at Wembley. In fact, the entire tournament has been hosted at various locations in England. You can catch the final between number five, England, and number B, Germany, as I believe they were seeded uh, heading into the tournament on at ESPN at noon Eastern Time U.S. Uh, the recent series between these two has been dead even. They've each accrued a 2-1-2 two, and two record. First, you're perhaps very slightest of underdogs. England, the Lionesses. Boo. Why does everybody have to be Lions? Be original. Uh, FIFA rank, they're currently number eight in the world. They have been to the World Cup five different times. 2015, they finished in third place. That's the best that they have ever done. Uh, Last iteration, 2019, they finished in fourth place. This is very much a rising power. I think there was a question two or three years ago if it might be England or Italy uh, that started getting stronger faster. And if so, England have definitely been winning that race. Here, historically for them in this event, 2009 is the best they've ever done. They were runners-up. 2017, last iteration, they made the semifinals. This year's event, they went 3-0-0 in the group stage with a perfect 14-4 to none against goal differential. They whacked number two, Sweden, 4-0 in the semifinal. Everybody keeps waiting for Sweden to do a little bit better, but I think they're just going to keep sliding down the coefficient table. Tied for number one in event scoring with six has been one of their stars. Uh, forward Beth Mead, who currently plays for Arsenal. She's starting to flirt with 50 national team appearances. But I think the most valuable player that they have going is actually on the defensive side. And it's not their goalie. It's their right back, Lucy Bronze. She plays for Barcelona, which is uh, the new rising power in all of world club football, along with a couple of the French clubs. They are amongst the very best. Uh, she has 84 national team caps uh, to her credit. She's a decent passer, but her tackle success, she is so physical. Four out of every five times she is getting it done, and that is a percentage I have never seen before. And we have a USA connection, by the way, Rachel Daly on this national team. She plays all over the field, everywhere from forward to fullback, both for them and the Houston Dash. Team's current form. They have won 11 straight matches, no losses, in fact, this year or last year. So if they're the underdogs, boy, it's sure not going to be by much. Nevertheless, it is Germany that's coming to town. It's interesting that there's such a huge world power because from what I've been reading recently, women's football was not socially accepted at all. I thought this was just a South American thing until the 2000s, full on into this century in Germany. The first time I, uh, I read that they won an international tournament, uh, the whole team, they, each of the players was uh, gifted a, uh, a very nice, admittedly, uh, T set, which a lot of people uh, uh, took as a uh, very 
backhanded uh, prize slash complimentary thing to do. In any case, it surely is socially acceptable now. They have climbed all the way to number three in the FIFA rankings. They have two World Cup titles to their credit, 2003 and 2007. Uh, 2019, their last appearance, uh, they went out in the quarterfinals. They have eight European titles and had won six straight, I believe, until last year when they went out in the quarterfinals. In the group stage, they, too, were perfect. Not quite as much offense as England uh, displayed. 3-0-0 with a 9-0 goal differential. Uh, perhaps most impressively, they beat France 2-1 in the semifinal. I think that was probably a tougher out than knocking out Sweden. Uh, tie for number one in events scoring with six goals. Alexandra Pop, their veteran striker who plays for VFL Wolfsburg, one of the big two or three clubs over in Germany, one of the world's best, well over 119 national team appearances to her credit. Uh, read a little bit on her biography. She went to one of four elite German football schools. I won't try to pronounce the name of them, but where she went, she uh, had to get special permission to go because was normally all men. She was the only female there. And then just what an interesting life and well-rounded person. She spent a year as a physiotherapist in addition to doing soccer. And then she also did a three-year apprenticeship to be a zookeeper. Now, some of the facts you've been hearing on the show have been dubious at best, but these two are promise. I promise are true. In any case, the best player I think they have going, the most valuable is their left winger, Clara uh, Buhl, B-U-H-L. She's just 21 years old, so really hasn't established much of a club or international reputation yet, but she's good enough that she's playing for Bayern. In this event, she's got four goals and an assist. Has just been very good for somebody with limited experience. Uh, after a rough start to the year, as far as the team's current form, they have won six straight. Uh, the last time these two played was actually earlier this year in sort of a glorified friendlies tournament. England beat Germany 3-1 to one in an event called the Arnold, uh, Arnold Clark Cup earlier this year, I believe in February. Boy, I'm hesitant. I've been making predictions on these all along. Uh, I know that... Uh, you know what? They've won eight of these titles until I start, until I see them lose more than one in a row. I think we've got to go with Germany here, don't we? You've heard him sing for your supper. Well, around here, at least for the kiddies, it is Mew. For a recap of last week's matches, why not? Last week, Friday, match number one was a quarterfinal match from the Women's Euros. Congrats to Sweden on advancing through the quarterfinals. They got a 1-0 win over Belgium. Match number B was from the USLW. It was the final. That's the fourth division, by the way, of uh, women's soccer here in the U.S. semi-pro. Your combatants were Minnesota Aurora, South Georgia Tormento came to town, and they got the win to the Tormenta 1-2. to two. Congratulations on their championship. Uh, by the way, a couple of notes regarding uh, some personnel from this game. I reported last week that uh, Minnesota Aurora coach Nicole Lukic, uh, well, she's not a favorite of mine, I didn't think, because she likes chocolate, she likes peanut butter, not to, but not together. Well, somebody got wind of that, apparently, and introduced her, instead of the Reese's, but to a Fifth Avenue candy bar. And it turns out that she does have a newfound love for chocolate and peanut butter. So glad to hear it. And then also for the Tormenta, there were two stars who were planning to have a fist fight at center field after the match because of their love and uh, hate, respectively, for the new Drake album. Thankfully, they decided to, what 90s kids would say, was uh, forget about Drake. Yeah, if you're old enough to get the reference, good for you. And they didn't end up doing anything but getting along after all. Easy to do after you've won a title. This show gets weird. 
Match number three last week was from the women's AFCON, and the host Morocco lost to South Africa 1-2. Congratulations to South Africa on just not being Nigeria, because Nigeria has won almost every iteration of this event ever. Uh, Sunday match number four from Major League Soccer, number B in the West, Austin, took on number three from the East New York Red Bulls, and it was a shootout. Austin nearly came all the way back, but they lost three to four. For Austin, Sebastian Driussi, one of their stars, had a brace of goals. There was no change in the table for these two. Match number five was from the Copa America Femenina. This was not the semifinal. We've got the uh, final this podcast, of course. Uh, but this was the fifth versus sixth place match because the winner might still get to go to the World Cup via Inter-Confederation playoff match. So we had Chile and Venezuela, and it went to penalty kicks. They went to 1-1 after regular and extra time, and then in penalty kicks, Chile came out on top 4-2. For Venezuela, a guy we said to look out for, Dana Castellano. She had the game-tying goal at the second minute in injury time from the second half. So that was really dramatic. Tuesday, match number six from the FA Cup of Canada, the Canadian Championship. We had Major League Soccer teams Vancouver and Toronto. Congratulations, Vancouver. You get to play in the CONCACAF Champions League next year for your 1-1 win. 1-1 after regular and added time and in 5-3 on penalty kicks. Guy we said to look for, Ryan White had the goal for Vancouver. Wednesday, match number seven from the CONCACAF League leg one of the preliminary round. We looked at the Belizean team Verdes. They played host to El Salvadorian CD Platense Municipal. They played to a nil-nil draw. Match number eight from the U.S. Open Cup, the semifinal between the one lone lower division team remaining, Sacramento Republic, out of the second-tier USL League, uh, the championship, playing host to uh, last place in the West in Major League Soccer, Sporting Kansas City, and the winner, congratulations, Sacramento Republic. The dream is still alive. It played to a nil-nil tie, and went to uh, went to penalty kicks, and they won 5-4. Match number nine from the UEFA Champions League, the second leg of a two-legged home-and-away tie. In the second qualifying round, we looked at FC Zurich playing host to uh, Karabag FK out of Azerbaijan. They played to a 2-2 draw, and therefore, based on the uh, overall aggregate, Karabag are the ones who advanced 5-4. And then match number 10 from the Europa Conference League, second leg of a two-legged tie, home and away in the second qualifying round between AIK from Sweden and Vorskla from Ukraine. And uh, it was AIK coming out on top 2-0, and that allowed them to edge out and advance on aggregate by a total of 4-3 in added extra time. And then your bonus matches with explanations coming later. First, your route of the week came from Taiwan's Premier League. Number one, Thai Power, played host to number seven, Ming Chuan. And uh, your favorites won 3-1. There was no change in the table, of course. Then your most meaningless match in the world from Singapore's S-League. Number four, Hogang United took on number five, uh, Gay Lang International. And uh, Gay Lang, your visitors won one to two for Ho Gang. Uh, player we said to look for as a possible man of the match, Pedro uh, Bordeluzzo had a goal. Uh, but for Gay Lang, he had the game winner in the 88th minute. That was Ashime uh, Tsutsi. There was no change in the table here as is appropriate for the most meaningless match. And then your most disappointed, uh, your match of disappointed, rather, it is the most disappointed in one, a Sunday match from the V League of V. Vietnam. Number 13, Saigon. Last place took on second to last place, Nam Din, and they played to a 2-2 draw. Uh, for Saigon, Sebastian Gaston Merlot had a goal, 
And uh, this actually, even though it was just a draw, did allow Nam Din to climb up one spot to number 11. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. You know, we nearly named the show Soccer Squirrel because I am so drawn to bright, shiny trophies. Give me more trophy matches. I don't care where we have to go. And where does the game lead us? To another confederation, Africa, and to their second smallest nation after the Seychelles, that is Sao Tome and Principe, another island group just like the Seychelles. Though Sao Tome and Principe are the two main islands. There are a few other small ones involved. Each of the islands has their own completely separate league. Sao Tome is the larger one. They even have three divisions, in fact. In any case, when it comes to this, the national championship final, it is the winner of those two leagues. They don't play each other at all up until this point. I mentioned this is the second leg. The first leg went to a 1-1 draw. And by the way, this uh, league, even if it could be ranked, and I'm not sure they, how they would do it since it's two instead of one, is unranked by uh, the African Confederation, which to be ranked, you have to be in the top two-thirds. But we don't care. The winner does get to go to the Champions League. They get the trophy. And we are going to take a look at Militar 6 September playing host for the second leg to Operario. Uh, first, we'll take a look at uh, 6 September. This is, per the Militar, as you would have guessed, a military club. It's the only one in the nation. And uh, the 6 September, it's not a name of a date of a big battle or independence or anything. That's simply the date that the club was founded. Uh, they are on the larger island of Sao Tome and from the village of Santana, which is uh, on the east-northeast coast of that island, just a few miles from the capital town of Sao Tome. It's got well over 10,000 people if you include the adjacent settlements. And why wouldn't you? It's just such a nice thing to do. Why leave them out? It would be rude. Uh, this is something of a yo-yo team. They've been in Division Three on that island as recently as 2016. They've only ever won the league title one time, 1988. That's a big deal because this is one of the few teams on the island in any division to only have one national title. No matter which division they're in, there's a lot of movement up and down, and a lot of teams have won this over the course of the nation's football history. Last season, uh, which was in 2019 that they played it, thank you, pandemic, uh, they finished in sixth place. This year, they ran away with the league. They beat number B, Agrosport, by 13. By the way, this is a 12-team league that plays a double round robin to give you some perspective on how much 13 is, especially given that the worst team earned 20 points, including six wins in addition to two draws. So there aren't any really terrible teams anywhere in that particular league. Uh, this year, they have the number one offense by quite a bit, scoring three goals a match. Number one defense, just conceding over one goal per match. And their goal differential, goal differential was the best on the island by a factor of better than three. Team's current form, they had won nine straight matches before their leg one draw here as part of this final. But it's worth noting, as strong as they've been, they have not had a clean sheet in their last five matches. Is that defense getting worn out just a little bit? And can the smaller island league champion take advantage, Operario? Uh, since 2011, every team on this island has won at least once. Now, they've only got one league there, and this year at least it's only got six teams. So not really sure quite how big a deal that is, but it, it still speaks to the very nice parity they have. Full name of the club is Grupo uh, Desportivo. Os Operarios, and yes, the OS gives away that uh, 
this was a, a, a Portuguese colony. By the way, Aparorios means factory workers. So this is your blue blue collar team. They are also known quite a bit of the time as Sport Aparorios a Benfica. And they used to actually be affiliated with Benfica, uh, the big team, one of the big three up in Portugal. Uh, they play out of Santo Antonio, which is the main settlement on Principe. It has maybe 3,000 people. It's over a third of the island's population. Uh, they're historically the second most successful club on that island. Uh, they've won this national title six times, but not since 2004. So whoever wins, it's going to have been quite a while, and that's exciting you know, since they'd won it last. They've won their island league title eight times. I think the last time was 2017, although what I was finding about their 2019 season was a little bit uh, sketchy. They had a little bit more of a title race themselves. Uh, They won their quadruple round-robin season, so 20 matches, by just five points over one of the other historical powers, I believe, on this island, uh, Porto Real. Uh, They did it largely on offense. They had the best on the island, scoring over three goals per match. They also had the best overall goal differential. Uh, The loss that they had in leg one in the final snapped a six-match winning streak. Still, they are unbeaten in their last 11. This might be the, uh, the, the American underdog story lover in me. But since I'm making predictions on all the matches this particular episode, what the heck? Let's go with what would probably an ups, be an upset and go with Operario to win this one. No one or one nil. No one. That's what it is. They're on the road. <laughs> match number seven. And we're not quite done with our weekend. One more match. And now we will have officially hit every single confederation in the world. Say hello to Asia's. V-League 1, the top flight in Vietnam. It is the 10th ranked league in the AFC. That is up four spots from a year ago. Currently, they're just going to get one Champions League group stage berth, and then the runner-up in the league might get to go to the AFC Cup group stage if somebody else backs out. That will almost certainly go up next year now that they have climbed into the top 10. They're about a third of the way through the season, and our matchup is a classic top two. It is number one Hanoi versus number B Song Lam Ni An. Uh, Hanoi currently lead by one. And just as a fun side note, these two have a nice relationship. They actually share a youth academy in the Ni An province, which is part of what the club, the visiting club today, is named for. Uh, Song Lam, just to throw it out there, uh, basically uh, is named for a river that runs through the town. Hanoi. This is a fairly young club. It was founded just 16 years ago. They are known as the Purple, which normally I'm not really impressed with nicknames that are just the color, but their crest has such a lovely, interesting shade of purple. And then it's got a beautiful sketch gold pagoda in the background. And it is just absolutely one of my favorites all time. Uh, They have won the league title five times. All of them were between 2010 and 2019. They were supposed to get to play in the AFC Cup, that secondary Asian international club tournament, last year, but COVID, thank you once again, it was canceled. They did get to play in it in 2019, made the semis. That was the best they've ever done. They've also been, as you would imagine, in the Champions League several times. Best they've ever done a couple different times is made the playoff round, one win shy of the event proper in the group stage. Last year, because of COVID, their season was canceled roughly halfway through. Hanoi was only in seventh place when that happened, so they've made a very nice recovery. And it's largely thanks to their defense. They give up less than a goal on average 
per match. They've got statistically the second best goalkeeper in the league. She spent her whole career here since 2013. That is Wynn Van Kong. Team's current form, they've won three straight. But interestingly, I pointed out the defense earlier is so good. And yet, in their last several matches, they have not had one clean sheet. So, Coming to town, looking to take advantage is uh, Songlam Neon, older club. Uh, interestingly, they have the exact same colors, like even the shade of purple. To me, it looks just about identical, although I am 20% red, green, colorblind. Uh, purple and gold for them. And I think this would be Noobstradamus' favorite club because their nickname is The Lotus. I'm sure he would love to have their crest uh, be a picture of him in his long, silver, flowing hair and his... Uh, you know, gorgeous oracle robes or whatever he wears, smoking the lotus leaf as he is wont to do. In any case, they play out of the city of uh, Vin, which is the biggest city in the north central part of the country. It's got about a half a million. Uh, this has always been a really key trading post uh, of, of sorts historically because it's on a key point linking the east and west economic corridors uh, that put together uh, this part of Vietnam along with Myanmar, Thailand, and Laos. So this is a big international trading city. The ranked just outside the club is of the top 100 in Asia. Last year when the season was abandoned, oh, they were in last place. I almost missed my note there because I didn't have a number next to it. So both of these teams uh, weren't off to very good starts last year. Uh, 2011 was the last time they won the league title. They've managed that three different times. They've been to the Champions League a couple of times, but never gotten past the first round. A little bit more luck in the AFC Cup. Two of the three times they've been there, they have made the group stage. Most recently, 2018. Uh, I think these are your favorites to win the league. They've got the second best offense going, uh, scoring one and a half per match, and they're tied for number one on defense. They have the best goalkeeper in the league going right now. So this could be a very low scoring affair, to be honest. So, you know, find it if you find a stream of it online. Uh, just you know, keep that in mind. You're going to be a one a fan of defense if you're going to be entertained. In any case, uh, his name is Win Van Hoang. And uh, he got a national team appearance last year, so an up-and-coming goalkeeper in that region. Team's current form, they are 3-0-1 in their last four, and they are coming off a really big win, 3-0 uh, over number four, Haifan. I think everything is trending upwards for this team. The defense is sliding a little bit for Hanoi. I like, uh, I like Neon to get the full three points here uh, with a 0-1 win. Match number eight. New Bites, you get Monday off a well-deserved rest after all that watching and tracking. We pick things up again on Tuesday for match number eight, where they're just four to five matches in to the Apertura stage, the opening stage of the two stage seasons in Liga MX. Four of these teams will get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League. It'll be the playoff champions from each of the two stages. And then if there's uh, one champion of both stages, things get very convoluted on who the other three teams are going to get to go. But suffice to say, the regular season really, really matters, and I think for more than just playoff seeding. Speaking of their league playoffs, the top 12 teams now make the league playoffs. The top four will get buys straight through to the quarterfinals. Your matchup, number B, Toluca taking on number five, 
Puebla. I'm not sure I've ever covered Puebla before. Uh, Toluca, they trail number one Monterey by just one on goal differential. So incredibly tight, although it's early. Uh, they are tied as well with Tigres on goal differential. I believe that they are listed in second place because they lead on a goals scored tie-breaking stat. The series between these two in recent seasons, Toluca have had the better of it, having accrued a 12-8-9 record. We will talk about them first as hosts. The Red Devils, they play out of Toluca de Lerdo. This is the fifth biggest city in Mexico, almost a million people. Metro is uh, number five in the country as well. They've got almost two and a half in the greater urban area. It's about 40 miles southwest of Mexico City, give you a little geographic perspective. And it's okay. You can call people from this area Chorizos, I believe. That is a nickname for them that is welcomed. Uh, the people here are called that because this is where your traditional chorizo was essentially invented and made famous. Uh, this is the number three winningest club in the nation's history all time. And yet they're only the seventh most popular. I think you have to be one of the three uh, big Mexico City proper clubs to really uh, climb up the popularity, uh, popularity list. Uh, they have won 10 league titles, but nothing in over a decade. Last time was the Clausura stage of 2010. Twice they've won the Champions League. First time was a long time ago when the format would have been very different, back in the 1960s. More recently, they won it in 2003. Uh, last year, the Clausura stage, they only finished in 15th, so they didn't even make the playoffs. This year, they're still struggling a little bit on defense, at least compared to other teams. They're barely in the top half of the league. But they've got the second-best offense going, scoring almost two per match. Largely to thank for that, tied for number four in league scoring with three so far is Leonardo Fernandez from Uruguay, attacking midfielder. Young fellow, just 23 years old. He's also on the assist leaderboard for the league with three. Chicago Fire has shown some interest somewhat recently. I'm not as sure a move to America or anywhere else is necessarily imminent for him but it'd be interesting to see if uh, somebody doesn't throw him quite a bit of money to, soon to keep him in Mexico. Uh, he's been playing with the youth national team levels in his home country of uh, Uruguay all the way through the U-22 level, but no senior team appearances yet. I believe that their uh, second best player they have going could be key to winning the matches, Valbar. Huerta from Chile, their center back. Uh, he likes to play up. He's got two goals, and I say up, I mean way up. He's got both of them in the box, not distant shots. His tackling is okay for a defender, maybe a little less than average. Good dribbler. Uh, his passing is very, very good. Basically, it looks like this guy uh, cheats up quite a bit and plays more like a, skills-wise like a midfielder. We do have a USA connection, by the way. They got a winner named Sebastian Saucedo. Spent his first few senior years of play professionally with Real Salt Lake. He played a little bit at the USMNT level, um, or and so he still reps for the U.S., but he also did a little bit of youth time with the uh, Mexican national team. I believe now that he might have to be with the USMNT for good. Team's current form, they have won two straight matches. Puebla, very interesting city. This was a planned city when they built it. It's about, it's south of Mexico City, but a lot further south than Toluca is. It's about halfway to Veracruz. Big automotive manufacturing area. If you're wondering where a lot of that jobs are going that everybody worries about, yeah, they're going to Puebla. Uh, this is the fourth biggest city in Mexico, one and a half million in the city proper, three million in the overall metro area. And they have a very interesting name from their agricultural roots. The Sweet Potatoers. Uh, 
As a Scrabble player, I don't think potatoers is a word. Uh, certainly uh, my document doesn't like it, has a red underline, but they love it, and I think it looks cool. They've won the league title twice. Uh, last time, though, was 1989-90, so it has been a long time. No wonder I haven't covered them. In fact, they've been down in uh, the second level somewhat more recently. There uh, is only barely officially any possibility of promotion or relegation between Liga MX and uh, the secondary division, uh, but they did win a couple of uh, – Division two titles, most recent one was 2006, 2007, back when I guess you could actually move up. They won what is now called the CONCACAF Champions League once as well. That was all the way back in 1991. Uh, last year, they had a very nice showing in the Clausura stage and made the playoff quarterfinals after finishing fifth of the regular season. Uh, their defense, it's not horrible. They just give up over one goal per match. But that doesn't impress anybody down in Mexico. That puts them uh, well in uh, the bottom quartile statistically. They do have a top three offense going, though. Uh, right now, the records for League MX, by the way, are all over the map in terms some teams have you know almost like one win but a bunch of ties. It's just crazy everywhere. And yet, if you follow the goal differential, it uh, ordinarily works absolutely perfectly, biggest to smallest. It follows the ordinal rankings overall for the league perfectly. And this team has the number five goal differential. I don't think there's any uh, chance they'll have a collapse and fall uh, anywhere out of the playoff picture or the top eight specifically. On the scoring leaderboard for them with a couple of goals so far is their forward, uh, Martin Barragan. He made four national team appearances back in 2017, but has apparently fallen off the Mexican NT radar. Uh, second best in the league assists with three is Gustavo uh, Ferra Race. I think I'm getting that right. He's Brazilian. My Portuguese is even weaker than my Spanish. He plays attacking midfielder. Team's current form. Uh, they've won two. Uh, they've won two. They've drawn two. And then they just had a, a not embarrassing loss, one nil at Monterey. I really like them uh, to. Uh, I think they're very strong in the last year, year and a half. And I think they're going to get a full three points at number B, Toluca. Match number nine. Back we head to Asia again for more Tuesday action with a league that is ranked number four in the AFC. And it may surprise you which one it is, but everything has been up in the air, it seems, in recent months in the coefficients in Asia. China's all the way down from first or second to 16th, and everything else in between has been in flux. The number four league right now is the Super League of Uzbekistan. Yeah, how many guesses would you have needed to have gotten to that? Uh, they get a Champions League group stage berth, and then two other teams will get to go to uh, the Champions League, but they have to start in the preliminary round. They're about halfway through the season there. Your matchup that's key there going on Tuesday is number B, Nasaf, taking on number one, Navbahor. Navbahor currently lead by just one. Nasaf, in turn, lead three teams by just one point. And all four of those teams have a match in hand on NAV before. So it is going to be an absolutely stunning race, I think, for the entire second half of the season with so many teams in play for the title. To that end, I think that we're going to be visiting Uzbekistan uh, probably a couple of times over the next couple of months. So as is our want this time of podcast, let's use this as a chance to take out time out from soccer coverage and use the sport as an excuse to enhance our learning of the world, the culture break. And as is usually the case with team Doob, that means 
food. And we're going to take a look at something called shallop. I found and wanted to learn about. Now, uh, a real Uzbek cold shallop. This is a soup, by the way is cooked on a mixture of something called, uh, I believe it's going to be pronounced katik, K-A-T-Y-K, and cold water. Uh, katik, by the way, is a sour milk, and it's fermented uh, with a grainy thing called Bulgarian bacillus. Uh, but you know what? And it's very similar to something called uh, okroshka, which is probably what is for the recipe I'm going to give you, because it's just a little bit different. But I wanted to introduce both names. So I got to be honest, I've never been intrigued by the idea of having a cold soup. Sounds gross, but I would love to try this sometime. Here's what you're going to need. It's really pretty simple. Uh, you're going to need uh, to boil some beef. You want to make sure that it's very low fat, by the way. Uh, you can use some cucumber, some garden radishes a glass of broth, and a glass of, uh, this part of the recipe says yogurt, but later on it's going to make mention of uh, kefir, which if you're somebody who happens to be lactose intolerant, you're going to be very familiar with. That's uh, that's the lactose-free milk that's pretty tart, but very tasty once you get used to it. And then you're going to add in some herbs of your choice, but be sure to include hot red pepper. When it's a cold soup, you're going to want that. The instructions are simple. If you want to do it traditionally, you want to cut your, your beef, your cucumbers, and your radishes all into straw shapes. And then uh, you get those greens in there, the herbs to your liking. Most people will tend to use something like green onions, dill, and parsley for a mix, but you can use whatever you want. Just be sure to include the hot red pepper. You mix the sliced ingredients, you pour in the kefir and the broth, uh, and very much in a proportion of one to one. So this is going to be a moderately thick soup, but not terribly porridge-like. And then, ugh, have it cold. I'm going to try to find a restaurant or the correct ingredients to make this someday. Uh, maybe instead of having Person Noob doing one of her uh, sandwich reviews, we could actually have her do a cold soup review. But maybe I should make her try it first. In any case, I hope you've enjoyed the recipe. And now we'll get back into the soccer with... And match number 10. We're done. Finally! Yes, yeah, so we're going to finish off by going to an area we kind of sort of haven't been to yet. We've been to all the confederations. Yes, we've been to North and South America both, but not in between. So let's check out a preliminary round match from the CONCACAF League. Reminder that this is not the CONCACAF Champions League. It is a feeder tournament. I believe the top six teams are all going to get to go to the CONCACAF Champions League from this one. It's mostly Central American teams. And the two that we're going to look at, because they had such a competitive leg one, catching them here on leg two, hosting are Sporting San Miguelito from Panama and Malacateco from Guatemala. Uh, they played to a 1-1 draw in the first league. Uh, leg. The winner is going to get to play Panamanian traditional power Taro, T-A-U-R-O. But can San, Miguel can San Miguelito do it? Can they defend their home turf and actually get there to play their league counterparts? Now, uh, San Miguelito, by the way, this is both a city and a district. And interestingly, geographically, it's enclaved by the Panama District, which is the home, of course, as you would guess, to Panama City. An enclave, that means it's completely surrounded by it, and yet they kind of have their own governmental thing going on. Um, it is a district and town of a little bit under 400,000. The club is called La Academia, as a lot of clubs tend to be, as they were founded as a youth academy. The senior team was founded back in 1989. 
Now, the Liga Panamania de Football, the top flight in that country, is uh, CONCACAF doesn't put out official rankings. I use a site called Kick Algorithms. They rank them number six in CONCACAF and name them the fourth best team in Central America. There are a bunch of countries getting closer and closer in that regard. They qualified for this event uh, by having the best 2021 aggregate record between the two stages, the opening and closing stages, of the teams that did not win either of the two stages titles. Uh, 2022, uh, they uh, This year, they're in the Clausura stage right now, just a game in, uh, but in the Apertura stage, they won the East Division. They beat another perennial powerhouse, Alianza, by four and had the best overall record in the league. So they were good last year. They're even better this year. Uh, previously, I believe that their only title had been in 2013. Uh, they've only even been contending for titles uh, starting in the 2010s. Very good, very well balanced last stage. Second best offense, uh, top three defense. They only gave up 11 goals in 16 matches. Best overall goal differential. And their offense can come from all over the place. If you find a place to watch this online, keep an eye open if you can for all of these guys. Corpus, Rodriguez, Valencia, they all scored five goals and all made the top 10 uh, leaderboard scoring list last stage in league. And now, Malacateco, the Toros, they're from the southwest part of the country. This is one I've talked about before because the history there, uh, especially the modern history there, is uh, interesting to say the least. It's a big crossing point for, um, I hesitate to use the phrase illegal immigrants, but it is one that what's out there. I know people shouldn't be illegal, but undocumented people, that would be the better way to say it maybe. And an even bigger crossing point because it's very close to a little sliver of Mexico that bends down there geographically. It's a big drug trafficking point. The Sinaloa cartel, I think, has been particularly huge there. But back to the footy. The Liga Nacional in Guatemala is currently considered by Kick Algorithms the fifth best league in CONCACAF. They qualified for this event by winning one of the two stages last year, and they were the one with the lesser record. So they had to start here in the preliminary round instead of uh, the champion of the other stage that had the better record. They, got to, they will get to uh, start next round. 2021-22 Clausura. They finished in fourth place. Uh, offense really needed some work. They were well below average in that regard. In fact, the defense was barely average, and they only had the seventh best goal differential. So this is not a team playing its very best ball right now. Nevertheless, they do have a top 10 scorer from their league with eight. Jonathan Moran last stage, who plays midfielder for them. I think it's safe to say that uh, I think Malakateko was slightly fortunate to even manage a draw at home. I don't think I don't think San Megalito out of Panama are going to have too much trouble here. I'm predicting them for something like a 2-0 or 3-1 win at home. Bring forth the bonus matches. Uh, perhaps my favorite part of the show, in large part because you, the listener, have had your chance to have a say in what the content was going to be. In fact, you got to decide it entirely. How, you ask, could this possibly be? Well, Twitter is the answer, I assure you. My handle there is Soccer Noob USA. Each and every week, I put up candidate matches, uh, usually on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, you vote and the glorious content gets made. It is dreamy. The first of the three bonusers is one that we dramatically call the... Route 
route, 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 of, 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 the week, 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 week. And that is because it is a first place versus last place match. I didn't happen to mark down the day of the week for this one for some reason. You can check it out yourself online if you want. Use your Google machine powers. But the one you selected was from the Super League of Malawi. Yeah, we're back in Africa again. This is a fairly small country. As such, the league is unranked by the African Confederation. They're down in the bottom third somewhere. They're just over halfway through their season. Uh, Still, their champion, like all champions there, will get to go to the Champions League next year. On the other end of the spectrum, three of the 16 teams are going to get relegated. And your hosts today certainly have to worry about that. Number 16, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, uh, Rumpfi. I just can't do it. It's R-U-M-P-H-I, United. And the way that I read it is uh, is that you're supposed to pronounce the P as a P, but then uh, the P-H also as just a little bit in an F sound, and I cannot seem to do it. Anyway, they are playing host to number one, Nyasa Big Bullets. When they played earlier this season, uh, very early on, uh, Nyasa uh, handled them quite well, winning 4-1. to one. Uh, Rumpfy United currently trailed number 13, Equindeni Hammers, that's the uh, lowest team that's outside the relegation zone, by four points. Meanwhile, uh, Blue Eagles trail Nyasa Big Bullets by nine. It is Nyasa's world. The rest of Malawi is just living in it in a soccer sense. Uh, Let's talk about uh, your roadkill and waiting to start. They are known as the Leopards of uh, Chikolabayembe, something I can actually say amazingly. Uh, They were a dynasty of kings in this region. Uh, all the way up to like the early 19th century. It's uh, They're located in the northern part of Malawi. It's an area with about a half a million people in the city, uh, well under 2 million in the greater metro area. If this area is famous for anything outside of football, it might just be that you've heard of the plantation that is down there. Uh, it is the largest man-made forest in Africa. It is just to the south of this town, uh, which is Mizuzu, by the way. Again, the north central part of the country, gorgeous area. Google up pictures. It exists in a gap of the uh, Vifia Mountains. Uh, the club is very new. They were just founded in 2019. And in fact, they just got promoted this year. So it's not a really big surprise that they're struggling. Uh, they're tied for worst on offense. They're barely scoring over a goal every other match on average, and they've got the second worst defense in the league to boot. Uh, team's current form, though, hey, we're always looking for just a sliver of hope for whichever team is on the uh, kind of bad end of the, these routes of the week every week. They just managed a nil-nil draw at home versus Equendi Hammers, Equindeni rather, to snap their six-match losing streak. Probably coming to town to start a new one for them are the Big Bullets of Nyasa. They play out of the city of Blantyre. They, uh, that is the second biggest city in the country, over 800,000 people. Other end of the country, kind of the, uh, it's basically the uh, commercial capital of the southern part of the country. They are the New York Yankees of Malawi, quite frankly. You've got the most titles, 15 of those, the most money, the most supporters, and they're your three-time defending champions, looking to make it number four pretty easily this year, it looks like so far. Nine Champions League appearances they have made. 2004 was the only time they got all the way to the event proper, actually, and made the group stage. Last year, they went out in the first round. That's a little bit more typical for them. They are undefeated on the season so far, and why not? They've got the best offense. 
scoring almost two per match. They've got a top two defense, giving up less than a goal every other match. Even at home, I don't see how Rumphy's going to get one in the back of the net. Team's current form, though, they did just experience one of their three draws at home, no less, against number four, uh, Kamuzu Barracks. Uh, as was my tradition back when I used to make predictions more recently, I would love to go with the underdog, but I'm just going to say that this goes nil four to Nyasa Big Bullets. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. What other podcast, I ask you, has the heart and will take the time to celebrate two teams smack dab in the middle of their standings or more specifically halfway between uh, the glory of getting to go to an international tournament, getting a berth, or being relegated? Welcome to the match of Disappointed. We only had two candidates this week, and one of them we had to stretch down and give you a second division possibility, which you voted for. It is a Friday match from Liga de Expansión. Yeah, we're headed back to Mexico, where the second division is also in its apertura or opening stage. There are just a few matches into the season. There are 17 teams, by the way, in this league. The top 12 will make play, uh, the playoffs. There's no uh, there's no promotion, essentially, and uh, certainly no relegation. Your matchup, these are two teams that are fairly near the bottom because so many Teams from this league make the playoffs. Number 11, uh, Venados taking on number 13, Atletico Morelia. Currently, Venados lead a team called Mineros by two on goal differential, and then uh, they lead Morelia by just one point. Uh, as far as the series between these two, Morelia have had the best of it in recent attempts with a 2-3-0 record. Benados, I don't know why, but I thought that translated to the Scorpions. Must have been something else I'd seen for some other team last week. It actually means the Bucks. Uh, this is a club that changed its name just a few years ago, 2015. Till then, they had been known for a while as FC uh, Merida. And uh, they have been, over the years, a reserve team by and large uh, for Liga MX teams or second division teams like uh, Atlante and Morelia, their opponents today. The club was founded in 2003. They play out of the city of Merida, which is the capital of the Yucatan Peninsula. Just a fascinating area. It's kind of geographically set apart from the rest of the country in a way I hadn't quite decided before. Uh, it's much more uh, cosmopolitan or influenced by a number of cultures, might be a better way to put it, than a lot of the rest of the country. It's a city of about a million people. It's one of the safest cities, not only in Mexico, but in all of the Americas. And as I said, it's much more culturally affected by like the Caribbean, as well as places like Europe and uh, even the Middle East. Uh, last year, they finished in 10th place. So this is a part of the table they're used to being in, quite frankly. Uh, their offense, a little bit above average. Defense, a little bit below average. Team leading scorer, he's one of the only ones with two, I believe. Maybe the only one. Mauro Perez, attacker, just 22 years old. Team's current form, uh, they just settled for a 1-1 draw at number 16, second to last place, Durango. That's the team that has Scorpions for their nickname. That's what I'm thinking of. Anyway, now that I remember the word for it, <laughs> Atletico Morelia coming to town. Uh, they are uh, from the south central part of the country, about three quarters of a million folks, and are known as the Canaries. Love it. I think that's the second Canaries we've had this podcast. They played in the top flight from 1981 to 2020, but then the team relocated to Mazatlan. That team still plays in Liga MX, and so Morelia 
got to get a new franchise, but they're making them uh, play at least for the moment in the second division. Uh, they are the defending playoff champions. They finished number four in the Clausura stage last year, regular season before winning the playoffs. Uh, this particular stage, they've, they are tied for having the worst offense. They're only averaging three goals every four matches. The defense is actually a little bit above average. This is something of a small ball team, if you will. As far as the team's current form, uh, they only just managed to draw at home versus last place Pumas Tabasco. So given how poorly these teams are doing of late, I'm going to use the usual match of this uh, most meaningless match projection and say that they will play to an incredibly meaningless and boring nil-nil draw. And now at last, we reach the true end of our podcast road, New Bites. And it is appropriate and right that the last one is match number 13, essentially, because this is the match of... Disappointed! Oh, and the scorn is always so appropriate because the match of Disappointed that you have voted upon is a Sunday match, and it's always two last-place clubs from some league. Sad sack eggsuckers. Usually we give them a really bad treatment if it's two teams that are from a big league. It's still more of a learning opportunity uh, when it's from a smaller league or one with which we all might be less familiar. We are headed back to Asia one more time to Maldives, an island out there in the Indian Ocean. Their Premier League was founded just seven years ago. It is ranked fairly far down in the Asian coefficients, just number 33. So down in the bottom two thirds, that's down four spots from a year ago. This is the last match of their triple round robin season. Thankfully for these two teams, no relegation. So they have been spared by their league even if we will not spare them a little bit of the treatment here. Your matchup is number seven, second to last place, Super United Sports versus number eight, Da Grande. Never have we had two teams more misnamed than Super and Grande in the match of Disappointed. Uh, Super United Sports, they currently trail number six, United Victory by 12. They lead Da Grande, who are the crap fest this year by 13 points. My goodness. Uh, both times SUS have beaten the Grande this year, 3-1 and then 1-2 on the road. They will have one more chance to make them feel particularly awful about themselves. Hey, let's help. They are known as the Suspatis, which I cannot find a uh, translation of, unfortunately, but you can find me on Twitter if you want to tell me what on earth it means. They are from the city of uh, Mach Changolhi, which is on the south central of the main island of uh, Malay. The club is a young one, founded in just 2016, as, of course, the whole league is fairly young. They were just promoted to Division One last year. Uh, both promotions that they've gotten have come after second-place finishes in the third and second divisions. So even in getting up here to the top flight, they haven't really managed to win a darn thing. Last year, they finished in sixth place. That must seem like rarefied airs compared to now. They've got the second worst offense and defense both. Uh, their defense, they do give up more than two goals per match, but it's not as atrocious, at least, as their offense is, at least in comparison to a couple of other clubs in the league. Team's current form, they have lost eight straight. That includes a 10 
nil absolute pounding they took at number one Messiah. I hate to love seeing scores like that. And now De Grande, they also play off the, the uh, main island and city of Malay, club founded in 2015. First year they won Division Three, and then they won the second division in 2018. So at least they've got a modicum of success in their recent past. By the way, the full name of the club is Da Grande Amigos New Generation Sports Club. Since we use something from Prince and perhaps the new power generation for ripping off what you heard us singing uh, last time for the most meaningless match in the world, it's interesting that we now have something with new generation in the name. I don't know if something's lost to the translation here or if their whole name is just one giant joke. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the latter because their nickname is Da Gang, G, and it's an acronym, G-A-N-G, Grande Amigos New Generation. Somehow I have a feeling that that's what they wanted for their name, and then they decided on that name to make it fit. Just kind of sad. Last year they were a little bit closer in the middle of the league, number five. This year they only have one draw on the season and no wins. Woof. Worst offense in the league, not even managing a goal every other game. Worst defense going, two and a half goals per match on the dot. Remember, this is the end of their season. This isn't early when things are in flux. As far as the team's form, well, they managed that draw in their very first match, and they have done nothing but lose, lose, lose since then. And in the spirit of that and just the yuckiness and awfulness and putridity of both these teams, instead of wishing them good luck here at the end of the show, we will shoo them away in our usual nasty fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. Yeah, that's really how we're going to end it. This has been episode 94 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Persa Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his production and editing wizardry. To Dan the Interno Inferno who may have had this particular week off because of the Scrabble uh, Players Championship. But hey, he's been a part of this show uh, since the very beginning and even all the way back to our website dates. I appreciate everything he does and his willingness all the time. And to, of course, my co-host, Daughter Dearest Person Noob. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I love that we have something weird and interesting like this that we're doing together. And thank you to you for finding the show, for listening, for maybe even passing us on to your footy-minded friends. We hope that they too might enjoy our, uh, our, our weird take on humor in the soccer world and learning all about soccer everywhere that it is played. Oh, and I guess I shouldn't forget to say thank you, maybe, to uh, voicer guy Brian. Thanks for whatever that was earlier between matches three and four. Not really sure what we ran into there. But my understanding is that uh, we somehow didn't get word from you before the show that we have a sponsor for this show. So go ahead and take it away. Lay it on us. Clayton Fratch. I mean, Kentucky Fratch. Uh, KFC. I'm calling BS. I don't think that's real. And I don't think we're getting any Kentucky Fried money for that. Got to have a talk with this guy. I think he might be on the Lotus Leaf the Noobster Domus is on sometimes. In any case, until we can see you in a few days, please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.